All right, if you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to open up to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 is kind of the first place that we're going to be. Uh, I am excited about today as we basically are, are finishing up kind of our, our vision series that we've been doing. All right, so last two weeks, uh, the first week we really focused on like what is this vision that we feel God leading us to for the next few years here, really however long it takes to accomplish. Uh, and then last week and this week, we're kind of actually diving in a little bit deeper to that. So two weeks ago, we did this overview that was vision, uh, and it's just what God's calling us to last. And then actually with that vision, here's, here's what it's boiled down to. We kind of had three main focuses, okay, three different focuses. We want to give away $500,000 outside of our general fund, all right? Like, so what we want to do is as a church... We have our general fund. We talked about this last week. We kind of have one bucket that is the general fund, and that's kind of giving to the church. It helps keep things going at the church. It runs everything, pays the bills, buys the toilet paper, you know, everything like that. All right, that's the general fund. And now we've, we've broken it down where we've put everything else into another bucket. There's just two of them, two places to give, and it's called Kingdom Builders. And really the idea of that is that money isn't as much money that you're giving to the church. It's money you're giving through the church. All right, And when you give to Kingdom Builders, it is going out to all sorts of different projects. Okay, and last week we had this little booklet that listed off all of the projects we're doing. And I am incredibly excited about it. All right, we have all these projects. They're broken into global projects around the world, local projects more localized to us here, and then what we're calling future, which really is the next generation. All right, like we believe in the next generation. We want to see them flourish. They are going to be leaders in this church. So that's, that's kind of what we have. So it was a giving 500000 We want to have three more churches. We already have two locations. We are believing for five locations. And we want to help launch 50 people into ministry. And you might be like, okay, I have no idea what that means. That's fine. That's actually what we're talking about today. All right, so last week we dug into that idea of Kingdom Builders giving. All right, and this, this week, we are going to kind of look at the next two. All right, and this idea of kingdom builders, which is this giving through the church, okay? And what I want to do is this. Uh, I'm going to, before we even jump into our Bible, I'm going to kind of go over the second part of this vision. And we're just going to do this a little more quickly. And then we're going to move on and we're going to spend the majority of our time today on the third part. Okay, so if you weren't here either the last two weeks, I want to encourage you, go back, watch those, listen to those. They're on our podcast. They're on, uh, if you go to our website and click on media, you can click on Long, Pla Long Prairie then and you can watch both of those two. Uh, and if you, if you were praying over that Kingdom Builders kind of commitment card last week, if you've, maybe you're still praying over it, maybe you brought it back today, you can drop that in the offering box out there. We just would love to know, like, where are you at in this? Uh, what, what's kind of your heart? How is God moving you? All right, and uh, we are excited about that. Uh, and I just can't wait to see what God does through a lot of this. All right, but this, this second part, this idea of planting churches, revitalizing churches, uh, anything like that. So back in 2014, uh, there was a pastor's conference that Pastor Kyle and Pastor Corey, they are at Sox Center. Uh, they were at, actually I was at it as well, but I was not on staff. Uh, with this church. I was at a different church. We're all at this conference together. Uh, and Pastor Kyle just started to feel like God was speaking to him in, in an, a very specific way. All right, River of Life in Sox Center had been growing uh, pretty quickly at that point. They had gone from about 60 people 
uh, at church on a Sunday, and they were at this time probably running close to about 250. And when that happens in a quick way, you're kind of like trying to figure out like, okay, what is going on here? How do we get a handle on this? Uh, and as he's trying to figure this out, he feels like God just kind of says this to him. As a church, you will have a much greater long-term impact if your focus shifts from just reaching Sox Center and growing this church to reaching central Minnesota and planting or helping struggling churches that are around you. All right? And Kyle, at this point, kind of grabbed a napkin, and he kind of drew Highway 94 and Highway 71, which is right where Sock Center is. And then he, he looked at that intersection, and he started to kind of sketch out what he could remember were the different high schools within their area, within about 30, 35 miles of Sock Center. And it ended up being about 14 different high schools. And then he went back and he's like, okay, in these, these towns where these high schools are, how many of them have an evangelical church? Uh, something along that line that is really like doing well and, uh, and reaching people. And he just kind of realized like there's not that many. Like a lot of these towns, they, ha they have a high school, they have people moving there. Uh, there's all sorts of things going on, but they don't have a church that is really helping people find Jesus. And I think so often, like the temptation when, when a church begins to grow is to kind of focus inward and be like, okay, how can we make the biggest church that we can right here in our location? But it just was this moment where God's like, that is not how you're going to have the biggest impact. You can have a much bigger impact by doing it a different way. Because I think what happens is, is people drive from another town to a different town. Maybe they're going to church. Maybe you do that right now. Maybe you don't live in Long Prairie. And you drive maybe 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, I don't know, maybe further. And you're okay doing that because you, maybe you like the church and you want to be involved. But is your neighbor wanting to do that? Is your coworker wanting to get up on Sunday mornings and drive that far to church? And eventually what happens is you're okay doing that, but maybe you only go on Sundays. And maybe you aren't plugged in on any other part of it because you're like, ah, we made the drive once already. I don't want to drive back on Sunday nights. I already made that drive this morning. And eventually, it just can kind of stunt different things in the church, and really, it can stunt you spiritually. And what we started to believe is just that if we can put a church in these different towns where people can get in involved, and they can invite their friends, their neighbors, to that church, it's going to have a much bigger impact long-term than just building one little church, one kingdom. And so that was kind of the, the birth of this dream. Uh, and really the first step of it was what has happened right here in Long Prairie. And it was about five years, it was five years after this uh, moment that Pastor Kyle had with God, that Long Prairie kind of happened. And now, like, we are moving forward with this, but realize, like, this is not the end of it. Like, this, we are moving beyond Sox Center. We're moving beyond Long Prairie. All right, it is going to go more than that. And what I want to challenge you with this morning, with this part of the vision, is simply this. At some point, God might be saying, I like, especially if you drive from another town, that this isn't going to be your location where you go to church forever. That God maybe wants to see something happen in your town. And I think the way that we start that is do a life group in your town. Don't just throw it out to the church. Invite friends. Invite other people. 
Because I think God wants to move in these different towns. God wants to do something in your town where you're at. And so all I want to say with that is just this. Just be praying. I'm not, I'm not going to give any more than that. Just be praying. Maybe God's going to move on you and say, okay, you need to be part of starting something here. You need to get a life group going. You need to get other people drawing in closer to God. All right? So that's, that's kind of what that second part of that is. All right? And now for the third part of the vision, that's where we're going to focus today. This idea of 50 people being sent out. And I'm going to give you a spoiler right now. Uh, this is a little messy. All right, like I would always love when we cast vision to get up here and be like, all right, it's perfect, clear cut, makes total sense, here you go. Like I think last week it helped having the different buckets and saying, okay, all, all six of these buckets are, are going into one bucket. And my hope is, is you walked away last week feeling like, okay, I understand what's going on. Um, and I'm going to be honest, I can't guarantee that today is going to be nice and clean and easy. I think it's a little messy because it involves people, and let's be honest, we're messy. And it involves people, and things with every person is a little bit different, which now means things are situational and all sorts of things. So we, we are going to try and go through this. I want to land in a place where you feel like you understand what's happening, uh, and we're going to look at a few different passages and piece this all together to try and land on the same page together, all right? So uh, I'm going to start with this verse in Ephesians. It's Ephesians chapter 4. And we're starting in verse number 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. All right, now this passage, maybe if you've been in church, you've heard it before. And I think oftentimes... Uh, when this passage is shared, the focus is on these five groups that are listed off. You can call them groups or offices or roles or jobs, whatever you want to call it. Paul lists these off, and, and many times that's where you look. What I actually want to do with this passage, I want to take a step a little bit further back. Instead of looking at the specifics, I want us to know that really there's two groups here in this passage. One of those groups can be broken down further, but there's two groups here. Okay, the first category is where the vast majority of Christians fall, and that is the group that does the work of the ministry. All right, if, if you didn't know this, every single Christian is called to be a minister. Every single Christian is called to be a minister in this way. You have a responsibility to do what this passage calls works of service, or that phrase, works of service, is actually one Greek word. It can be translated as well as ministry. So every single one of us, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you have responsibilities, you have a role, you have things that you should be doing. All right, just last week, we said that every Christian has a responsibility to the people in the world that have never heard of Jesus. We have a responsibility to tell them, to be part of that. All right, we have, we have responsibilities as well, though, to be actively involved in the body of Christ in the church, in our communities. We have a responsibility to, to just be part of what is going on. Like there are so many things uh, that we need to be doing. And all of this is massively important. And this actually is every single Christian has this. But now in this passage, we also see that there's another group. And this other group kind of has an additional 
I'm going to say job. Like, there's a lot of what I'm going to say today where I, I wish there was, like, a better word for it. But they, they have an additional job beyond just doing that ministry. And that additional job here is to equip or to train or to prepare others to help others do their job as Christians better. All right, that, that's what it is in this passage. So this gives us a picture when we look at this. Like, everyone has work to do. Everybody has a role. But then, so there are many people that they are living their life, you are living your life, and you are doing what you need to do to be a follower of Jesus. And you should be serving in different ways. But then there is this other group that has more of a focus, more of a calling, specifically on ministry. And that's the two groups that we kind of see here. So understand this, this second group, this group that specifically is more called to have, have more of a focus, that group is not better, it is not any more spiritual. It is just the focus that God has given them. And not everyone is called, and that's a good thing. Because if everyone were called to be focused on equipping, there would be no one to actually equip. There would be no one actually out doing some of the other ministry, some of the other work that needs to be done by the church. So this is two groups. One is not better. One is not more spiritual. This is just two different groups, and God has different roles for us. All right? So if you are here, and you are fired up to reach your coworkers or your family, or you're really excited to serve at church, or you love meeting the physical needs of people in town, or God has given you a passion for a certain area, that doesn't necessarily mean that you fall into the category of being called to ministry in the way that we are phrasing this. And that's completely okay. In fact, it's great. Follow where God is leading you, what he is speaking to you, okay? Because of all those things I just listed uh, could very easily just be what you need to do as a Christian. All right? So how do we tell the difference? How do we know which one of these am I supposed to be? Like, that's kind of the big question for us today. All right? Um, you know, how do I tell the difference of I just, God has given me a burden for this type of ministry or... Is my life supposed to be focused on ministry? Well, the reality is, like I said, this is messy. And I can't just give you an easy answer to this. But what I can do is we can look through Scripture, and we can look a little bit, uh, even today I'm going to look into my own life a little bit and share some of my experience and what I've seen with other people. And then at the end of this, we can say, here are some possibilities. All right, not here's the perfect only answer, but here are some possibilities that we see. All right, we aren't claiming to have the perfect answer today. So what we want to do is help people take steps towards what, what God is calling you to be doing. All right, so first I want to look at the Apostle Paul and how this played out in his life. And I'm going to do it really quickly. I'm going to go through about, uh, well, it, it's going to, I'm going to say about 10 years potentially of his life. But it's actually only a few chapters. And I'm going to do it really fast. Are you guys ready? I don't care if you are. All right, we're doing it anyways. Acts chapter 9. Is kind of where we see um, Saul, Saul and Paul, same person. Saul show up on the scene, all right, uh, and he's on his way to find Christians, to arrest them, to kill them, whatever needed to be done. Saul is a Jewish, uh, he's a, a zealous Jewish leader. Like what that means is he is, he is so cra crazy de devout to his religious tradition that he is going to do anything for it. And if he feels like other people are jeopardizing his religious tradition, he will take care of it. He will arrest them. He will kill them. Doesn't matter. He is trying to protect what he sees 
uh, as what he should be doing. And on his way to do this, he's going to arrest and to kill some Christians, Jesus shows up. Now, at this time, Jesus has actually ascended back to be with the Father. But Jesus shows up on the road in front of him and has this crazy encounter. Uh, and he basically says, Saul, you need to stop persecuting my followers. I am God, and instead, you need to become one of my followers. All right, so Saul's life is radically transformed. He is physically blinded by this experience. Like, he actually goes blind. The guy's traveling with him. They bring him to a place to stay. He gets there, and he fasts, and he's still blind. Okay? God speaks to a Christian named Ananias to go find Saul and pray for him. I'm going to read a couple little verses here as we go through Saul's life. So verse 17 in Acts 9. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, so notice, Saul has this experience with Jesus. Saul is alone. And another believer comes, speaks into his life, prays for him, gives insight. All right, that's what we see here. A few verses later, it says, Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. So you have this experience, you're alone, one person comes alongside you, begins to speak into your life, he enters into more of a Christian community around him, okay? And now he begins to actually take what he knew and begins to teach about Jesus. He begins to go around and talk all about what Jesus has done in his life. Okay, and Saul travels to where other Christians are, uh, at first, they are scared of him because they know his reputation, that he kills them. Uh, but uh, he, he ends up being trusted. He's brought into the community, verse 28. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them. So he seems to be part of this group now. You fast forward, other things are happening. This guy Barnabas is traveling. Uh, then we see at the end of chapter 11, Barnabas, who knew Saul, is seeking him out. Verse 25 says, Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. All right, and I'm skipping through the book of Acts here because really what's happening, you have Paul and you have Peter. And God is doing things in both of their lives and, and the book of Acts is kind of flipping back and forth between them. And this is a longer time than what I think a lot of us think. We think this all happens in a few months. This is definitely longer than that. Some people think as long as about 10 years of him kind of doing some of this. All right, chapter 13, the last spot we're going to look at Paul. Verse 2, it says, One day as these men, that's Paul and Barnabas and some of the other church leaders, were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for this special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. All right, why did we look at all of this in Paul's life? Let me, let me show you what I see here really quickly. Paul has this crazy experience where he encounters Jesus. His immediate response, by the way, was fasting. All right, for those of you that were here just a few weeks ago, we talked about fasting. When there's a divine moment in our life, when God shows up, the appropriate response is actually to fast. You don't fast to get things. You fast in response to God. This is what Paul does right here. Um, and, and he fasts following this, okay, and then he is brought into a community of believers, and he begins to grow with them, he begins to, uh, he's, he's prayed over by them, he's, his life is spoken into, they encourage him, 
I'm sure they challenge him. All sorts of different things that are happening here. Right, so for the next few years, at least, uh, Paul's engaged with other believers. He's involved in the church and with other Christians. Then God begins to call him to something new. Well, he's fasting. He responds by fasting some more. Then other Christians say, hey, we see this on your life. We agree with this. Let's lay hands on you, pray over you, and send you out. This is the picture that we see in Paul's life right here. All right? In my life, I can tell you, uh, I had a similar experience in this. That others have been investing in my life for a long time. Much longer than, I'll just say, I've been investing in my life. All right, and others saw what God had for me in my life well before I ever saw it. Um, there was this time where all of a sudden I feel like God's speaking to me to become a pastor. And this was never on my radar. And I remember this moment so clearly and everything that happened leading up to it. And I, I was at actually Lake Geneva at camp. And I am excited to go home and tell my parents, like, this crazy thing happened. There's a big life change coming um, I can't even believe this. Like, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. So I go home, and I, I like go up to my parents, and I tell them this big news that I can't wait to tell them. Their response? Yeah, we were wondering when you were going to figure that out. Like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, we've seen this for a while. Like, are you kidding me? Is it because other people see things in you that you don't see in yourself? Okay, just understand that. And when I look back on it, my youth pastor at the time, my senior year, he would, I would show up to youth group and be like, hey, why don't you preach tonight? What? And like he would do this randomly and like he saw this in my life. He was preparing me for this. He was investing in me because I was in this community of people that were doing that. My community helped me grow. They invested in me. They cultivated my gifts. They commissioned me. They helped discern what God was saying at different times. They supported me and they sent me out. I relate to Paul's experience, all right? Now, here's, here's what's going on. We aren't saying that, that this is every single situation, all right? We're not saying this is the perfect way. What I am saying is, as a church, we want to help equip, prepare, and launch people into ministry. And this is the way that we are going to try and help people figure it out. And this whole thing is messy, and that's fine. We are embracing the mess. All right, and, and maybe even as I'm talking here, you're like, after all this, he keeps saying called into ministry. I don't even know what that means. Like, dude, you are, you are way beyond this, and I'm still back at square one being like, what does that mean? All right, and that's totally fine. Here's what it is, all right? What, is it, what does it mean to be called or to have this focus on ministry? All right, in our minds, for most of the people, most of the 50 people that we see this happening in, all right, for most of them, we are talking about them moving into a life that is more pastoral ministry or missions. Like leaving and going on the missions field. All right? That's what we see for the majority of these 50. Now that being said, that's not going to be all of these 50. And this is very situational. And there are a lot of different ways uh, that this can happen. We are not closing it off to just that. All right, so for some, it might mean pursuing certain education. Maybe leaving your current work to pursue something else. All right? This is what happened with Pastor Aaron. All right, a few years ago, she began to feel kind of this tug. Like, I, I think I'm supposed to be doing something different. All right, and she was able to take steps and walk that out. And she didn't leave her job until about a month ago. It's kind of like the end of December. All right, so this was several years of walking this out. 
Uh, maybe you start pursuing a degree that would lead you into a role as a, as a pastor of some type. Maybe that becomes your new vocation. Maybe it's just something you do heavily alongside the job that you already have. All right? Uh, I, I think that of these 50, I don't think that all of them are going to have a massive career change. All right? It might just be a massive focus change for you. What does that mean? That means you keep working your job, but you have something else that you're really kind of, that is what your life is about. All right, and this was really like the Apostle Paul. I don't know if you know this, but like he made tents. He was a tent maker. And he worked that job so that he had an income so that he could do ministry on the side. Now, any one of us would say that, you know, we don't describe Paul as a tent maker who did ministry on the side. Right? Like Paul was the Apostle Paul that wrote half of our New Testament. This was his focus. This was his life. It's what he did. But it wasn't his job. And that, that's okay. Like th there are situations where that absolutely happens. All right? His job was in a way kind of a means to an end. All right? He didn't like work for his job. His job worked for him. Kind of in a way. Like it was, I want to, I want to do this so that I have an income so that I can live. But this is not my focus. All right, maybe, maybe for some of these 50, you are preparing to move to a new country because you feel called to be a missionary. And we say this, when missionaries come and they talk about their call, we almost always ask them, what did it look like when you became a missionary? And we've had so many people walk through here and they were doing all sorts of different things, working at an oil, uh, oil refinery plant. You know, and that's, we have some friends, like for them, it's amazing. They, they had kids, and they went all the way through this. The kids all graduate. They are empty nesters. He worked for the post office for years. They retired. They bought the house that they wanted. They had everything set up the way they wanted it. And then they began to listen to God's voice, and God said, you're going to be a missionary. And they sold everything. Everything they had spent years working towards, sold it all. They're like, all right, we're going on the mission field. As... 65-year-olds. I mean, like, it's, it's amazing. Like, God, God has something for us. And you are not at a point where you're ever too old for that, too young for that. We actually think a lot of this, you might be a teenager, and you need to start moving in this direction. All right, preparing. Like, you might still have some years left. But we believe a good chunk of that 50 is probably going to come from teenagers and kids. Why? Because they're just a lot more open to this. Like, think about it. You have your established life. How often do you wake up in the morning and say, God, do you want me to quit everything, sell everything, and move across the world? Anybody pray that this week? But as a teenager, you're already, like, leaving home, going to college, you're doing this, you're, all sorts of different things that are going on. You are much more receptive to God saying this. This is why, for me, like, that's when that happened for me. Really, because I actually stopped and asked God for once, what should I be doing? I think he would have told me way sooner if I would have asked. All right, we believe that, that a bunch of these will be teenagers, kids in this church. All right, so the main way we see this playing out is people going on the mission field, going into ministry like pastoral ministry, but that is definitely not the only thing. All right, so if you're here and you feel like this might be you, I want to give us a quick little, like, this is what this looks like. If you feel... Like, uh, I might be called to do something more ministry-focused with my life. 
not just I'm passionate about something, I want to serve in the church, but you feel like this might need to be the focus of your life. You feel like God might be calling you to more than just the usual Christian life. And, And when I say that, realize the usual Christian life is not a bad thing. All right, just because you want to be used by God more, you want to do more, you want to reach more people, doesn't mean that you have to be one of these people called. That's part of the usual Christian life. It's great. All right, but if you're feeling like, no, I think there's something else. I think God has been putting something on my heart, and I I don't really know what it is. I don't know how to explain it. All right, here's your first step. Your first step is fast. Take some time. Set aside a meal or two or three or several days and say, okay, I'm going to forego food. I'm going to take that time. I'm going to focus in on God. I feel like God's saying something to me. I want to respond. I want to reflect. So I'm going to fast. All right. It allows God to clarify for us to speak more, to guide us more easily. All right. So if you feel like this might be me, I want, I want you to stop, fast, pray. Now, if you're in here and you're like, this isn't me, I already know that. Pay attention because you're saying that today. Next Sunday could be a different Sunday. Next month could be a different month. All right? Any moment, God could be calling you to do this. Allow God to speak to you. Also, side note, begin to serve. All right? Like, if you come up to a pastor and you're like, I think I'm called to be a missionary, but you're not serving, like, anywhere, I'm going to be like, really? All right, do you think that before we completely give our entire life and move overseas, do you think we could give one Sunday a month and be a greeter? Or if you really want to test whether or not you're ready for the mission field, you're going to be a nursery worker. (laughs) No, but I'm just saying, like, we have to be faithful in the little things that God has put in our life, the opportunities that we have. Okay, when we are faithful in that, God begins to speak more. He is... Uh, it's easier for him to move us. All right, if after that fast and reflection, you feel like what God has for you then is to continue moving forward, to pursue this, to just find this out. All right, we are trying to make this super simple. All right, we want you to talk to a pastor. But we actually have this set up. We want you, if, if you can, and we're going to put this on the screen quite often, actually. Text called, that's just the key word that we're using, to 77222. All right, sounds like an infomercial. The reality is we're going to start saying this probably every time we have a missionary up here speaking about what God is having them do. We're going to say, okay, and if you're in the room and you feel like maybe this is what I should be doing, God is stirring my heart. We're going to say, okay, text called to 77222. All right, like really all that is, it helps us set up a meeting with you. You can just talk to a pastor as well, but let me tell you this. The amount of people that have come up to me on a Sunday and said, hey, can you remember this and set this up with me? And I'm like, it's Sunday, my brain is everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, that'll happen. And then like three weeks later, they're like, hey, you never texted me. I'm going to be honest, I don't even remember talking to you. You know, you're just like, it's, Sunday mornings aren't great. So we try and have something where it's like, you could write this on your Connect card. You could text it to this number. What that's going to do, it's going to make sure that this doesn't get overlooked, that we engage with you, that we set up a meeting with you. We sit down and we talk through this. All right? This, this is just to make sure. We want to get people moving on this. And this is what I see in Paul's life. Like this, Paul obviously did not text, called, 
to 77222. All right? Maybe he would have gotten there faster if he did. But the reality is what Paul had was he had this encounter, and he fasted, and he moved forward. And he had people speak into his life. And that's what we want to do. We want to get you involved in the church. As a pastor, I want to begin praying with you over this. What could this look like for you? We, we want to walk alongside this. You know, do you trust us to the point where we'd say, ah, I don't know. Maybe this is where God's leading you. Maybe it isn't. And we want to pray with you about that. All right, and if through this process you want to keep moving forward, all of this is just moving forward, then we, we have something set up that we are calling a MAP. And it stands for either Missionary Action Plan or Ministry Action Plan. And really, we just have this laid out. We want to have people like, okay, here's what we want to do. We're going to read through these books together. We're going to talk through these things. We're going to do different things. And, and as you go through this plan, we believe that God is, is going to clarify for you if this is, yes, this is what I should be doing, or maybe, uh, no, God is just giving me a passion for something that I, that I want to focus on. Maybe I'm not the person that's, that's part of this 50, but God has, has spoken to me, given me some clarity in my life. No matter what, that's a good thing. All right, there's no like failing, like I started to walk this path and then I dropped out. So I'm like this failure. Not at all. This is about trying to hear God's voice and discern that. All right. This is what we have. We, we believe that in this church, and I actually believe that just in many churches, there are, there are far more people that God has wanted to speak to you over the years. He has wanted to give you some direction in your life. And for whatever reason, it, it hasn't happened. All right, and we want to give that opportunity. We want to challenge you to take this seriously. Like right now, no matter who you are, I don't want you to write this off. This might be what your life needs to look like. You could be sitting in the room and you are 75 years old and you're like, not a chance. You know what? Uh, there was a, a couple in, in the church I grew up in, Little Falls. And I think when they were like, it was oh, 75, close to 80. They went and planted a church in Rice, Minnesota. They were amazing. Their names were Emo and Beulah. Right? Like you just know they're going to do amazing things with names like that. And I would see them at pastor's conferences, and they were, every time I'd go up, I'd be like, I love you guys. What are you doing? How, how is God moving in your church? Like, it was so great to see that. All right, so this, this process, uh, I, I can guarantee one thing for you. This is messy. Because we don't really know exactly what this looks like. We are figuring this out as we go. But we are trying to set you up. All right. Why don't we stand across this room? Carrie, you can come up. We're going to finish this out, and I, and I want to do this. My hope is, if nothing else, today has kind of shaken you a little bit and said, do not be satisfied with just the status quo. Every day, wake up and say, God, what is it that you would have me do? that we would never just fall into the same routine over and over and over.
all right? And I even have, I have a few statements here that I'm just going to read out to help us. I want to try and get our minds in the same spot of what does this mean? What could this look like, all right? So what we said is this, like, we want to understand there are some that are called to something in addition to just the normal Christian ministry. All right, we see that group in Scripture. We see it in that passage. We see it in other places as well. And this calling can happen in different ways. But it often is going to be in conjunction with, you're going to get confirmation with a Christian community, other people speaking into your life. All right, this is not something you have to do alone. And this can be a process. It can take years. It could be really fast. I don't know. It's, it's different for everybody. When I felt God called me to be a pastor, I went home. I was enrolled at UMD. And it was the second week of August. All right? So, I mean, that, that is like the start of college. And I called UMD and I dropped out. And I hung up and I was like, well, that was kind of dumb. I could have at least gotten generals. But then I, I went and I, I applied to another school that, that I could go and I could be trained to become a pastor. And in one week, I was down there living on campus, playing soccer for their sports team. Like, it's just like, it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, God obviously knew that I am hard-headed and he had to work things quickly. He like had the, the road paved for me already. Sometimes it's super fast. Sometimes it takes years. But this, this calling, what this would look like for you, is this would be the primary drive of your life. Like, you wake up, everything is focused on this. And I think a major thing in this is that your calling has an eternal focus. It is about people's eternity being changed. I know that this was a messy message. <laughs> Some of you guys are going to walk out of here today and be like, I, I don't even know what that was. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. It, it's messy. It's messy to completely change the course of your life. It's messy to try and discern God's voice and follow it and take big risks. And I think that's okay. I think we can embrace the messiness. What we want to do is just say, God, I want to be moving closer and closer to what you have for me. So I want to do this. Why don't you just kind of make a little spot right where you're at, just you and God. Whether you're 10 years old, 90 years old, doesn't matter. And can we just actually, and this might scare you right now, can we just lay everything out in front of God and say, God, what do you have for me? I think during this time, there's people in the room that you just kind of had this 
this feeling in your gut and maybe it's uneasy and you're worried about it, but you feel like God is speaking to you. You feel like this, this might be you and, and you're scared because I, I don't want to give up everything. I think there's people in the room that, that maybe God is speaking to you about your business. God is speaking to you about your job, your vocation that you have right now. God, God is reminding people in the room of something that he has said to you years ago. He said, I want you to do this. I want you to focus on this. And life has just moved on and moved on. And you've kind of remembered it. And you're kind of like, yeah, I know I should be doing that. I want us to lay this out in front of God and just say, God, what, what do I need to be doing? How do I start taking these steps forward? And I'm curious right now, it, I, I just, I just want to know this. Does anybody in the room, do you feel like God has been speaking to you and that you are like, I, I need to spend some time maybe fasting, praying. I don't know what it is, but there's something that's going on. God is speaking something. Yep. God is speaking something to me. Yeah. 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 And this is something that we're going to put in front of you on a regular basis, a regular basis. And your first step is to say, all right, God, I want clarity. Go after God this week. Maybe pick a day to fast, do something and say, God, what, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? And then I cannot wait until I get text messages, I get meetings set up to sit down and talk with people about this. And we're gonna come together as a church and we are gonna support people that are doing this. Maybe you're here today and, and all of this is new and you're just like, this is crazy. I have no idea what's going on. If you're here and you, you want to figure out what does this look like for me to actually just live life as a, as a Christian? You say every Christian has these things that they should be doing, these, these jobs, these responsibilities. I don't even know what that is. I want to talk with you about that. That'd be amazing. That'd be a great conversation to have. You can talk with me afterwards today. You can talk with Pastor Aaron. You can write it on a connect card and say, hey, I, I, I can't stick around today, but get in contact with me. I want to talk more about what it looks like to live a life that follows Jesus. We want to do that. You can check it on the connect card. We even have a little box you can check. All right. Can we just pray together as, as we kind of close? And, and here's what I want. Some of us in the room, you are going to, we're praying together and this is a scary moment. This is a big prayer. You don't know what it means. All right, if that's not you in the room, can you just pray with me and begin to just pray for people that are in the room that God would give them clarity, that God would speak to them, that we can support them, we can be there, we can encourage them, we can speak into their life. Because you have a role in this. Even if you don't feel like this is you, you still have a role in this. God, we lift up every single life here God, mine, mine included. I'm laying this out in front of you. What do you want me to do? God, I have felt you speak different things to me over the years. Some of them have happened. Some of them haven't. God, what is it that you want us to be doing? Where do you want us to be moving forward? What steps do we need to be taking? 
God, and I pray that we would live our lives just open-handed instead of hanging on to what we have, what we have built, what we have made. God, that we would just learn to, to let it rest just in the palm of our hand in front of you, just saying, God, if you want me to keep this, I'll keep it. If you want to take it, please take it. That we would just live in that type of a way. And God, I'm excited for the dreams that are being built right now inside of people. The moments that you have spoken to them, that you are reminding them of. God, and we just pray for our church as we move forward with this vision. God, with, with living our whole lives open-handed with our money, with our resources. God, with trying to pray about where we live and, and does God want to do something in my town? Does God want to do something with my life? Does he want to, to pull me into a new season, into a new thing? God, that this would just be something that would stir our church. It would spur our church on. God, and that your kingdom would grow because of these things. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen.